0: He's got connections, from actors and athletes to comedians and world-class musicians. Andy Hall. His contact list is jam-packed with some of the most recognizable names in entertainment. And every week,
1: Andy Hall's bringing them to you on the Laser Airwaves. This week in Andy's Hall Pass.
0: I welcome drummer Sean Dowdell here to share the incredible story of Grey Days, courtesy of Time Out Bar and Arcade, downtown Ames, the next level of Arcade. And I do appreciate your willingness to share with us today, Sean.
1: Of course, I'm looking forward to it.
0: We're looking forward to April 10th and the release of Amends from Grey Days. And, you know, Sean, I just want to say, and I'm sure you're getting a lot of this, what a treat it is to hear new music featuring the vocals of the late, great Chester Bennington here in 2020.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for, for taking that uh, that mental position. I We would really do appreciate it. We put a lot of work into it, and we're very grateful to be able to have done it and even more grateful for the response it's getting.
0: Gray Days was started by you, Sean, in the early 1990s. The story of how you and Chester became acquainted and began making music together long before he became a household name as a member of Linkin Park is a fascinating one. And if you don't mind, I'd like to begin there if we could. Absolutely. Let's do it. So you guys, you're 17, he's 15. This is what, 1992 or 3?
1: 1990. 1990- Two is when we formed our first band, and then 93 was when we formed grade A's.
0: Okay, so you're introduced to Chester by somebody, and you're a college kid at this point, correct?
1: Yes, sir. I was a freshman in college i was 17 i graduated a year early chester was 15 as a sophomore in high school
0: which begs a lot of questions when you invite a guy that age in to audition for your band i imagine there's probably a, a whole bunch of things including permission from the family to do such a, a thing like, to join such an endeavor
1: well you know after he auditioned he was just he was so good he, i mean he, we, he, we had him sing a, a pearl jam alive cover and then he played a couple of songs that he uh, he liked uh, from Stone Temple Pilots. But the song he played with us, uh, Pearl Jam Alive, he just sounded so good. You could just see how much talent he had. We just basically right then and there were like, when can you start? And he said, well, I have to go and ask my dad, will you come with me? And uh, I said, yeah. So I drove back to his house with him and met his dad, Lee, and we sat in his living room, and Lee grilled me with 100 questions, making sure I wasn't... Uh, you know gonna get his kid addicted to drugs or or anything crazy, and sure. rightfully so, you know, I had this really long hair, and I looked like probably what every parent wouldn't want their fifteen year old kid hanging out with and <laughs> so his dad was a little concerned, but he you know at the end of the day he gave us a thumbs up to go ahead and try it. We started rehearsing a couple times a week and then we started writing together and taking it a little more seriously and we eventually started playing out shows. I think we played our first show within two or three weeks of us forming a band. we just played all cover tunes and and it was a great relationship out of the gate.
0: You realized from that very first audition that Chester was a special talent from a vocal standpoint. What other qualities stood out to you in terms of his potential as a frontman at the time?
1: Well, you have to keep in mind, I was only 17, so and I was brand new to playing drums as well. I'd only been playing for like eight months. So, I mean, my worldly perspective was still pretty small. It wasn't like I was this you know musical genius. I was just getting into it as well, but I thought it was really good. He didn't have a frontman presence yet. Um, you know, he had never played live before. So that was something that was developed over the years through hundreds of shows that we did. But, um, you know, right out of the gate, the, the thing that just strikes my memory so well was that he was so passionate about singing. He was so into it. He, I mean, if he could have um, dropped out of school that day and just been in, the, in, our, in our rehearsal studio for the next 10 years, that's what he would have done. He loved music. He loved playing music and he loved playing in front of people
0: that relationship between you and chester i've heard you speak about it and how it was almost like an older brother younger brother type of situation
1: yeah he, he really was like my little brother and i was very protective over him and all the way up until the time he passed i mean, I was just very protective of him we'd go on vacations and you know chester and i weren't just band members we were best of friends and you know we traveled together and and we played basketball worked out together and we owned a business together we owned several businesses together um so we, we talked a lot, and, and I just always was very protective of him.
0: Eventually, you started writing originals. Had you already started building a pretty good fan base locally in the Phoenix area by the time you were ready to start putting some of these song ideas on tape?
1: By the time we did our first recording together, we had developed, I don't know, you know, 100 fans or so, and then it just kind of snowballed, grew after that. As the band started to become better live performers, um, the the fan base really started to grow. And then, of course, we started writing better songs. And all those things kind of culminated into um, developing the band into what I would call not a local band anymore. You know, we started holding our own against the national acts that would come through town. And then once we actually put our songs on our first CD, Wake Me, together... Um, you know, we sold five thousand copies very quickly, and uh, and really started hitting the ground running.
0: And when you're holding your own, when you're opening for national acts, I'm guessing people in the industry were starting to take notice at that point.
1: Well, we did. You know, so so a lot of the, so so much of the history of Great As has kind of been erased, but we really we really did get a lot of attention. We had three record deals that we signed. You know, we put out two full length albums. We recorded an entire full length album with a record company we did sign with that never got released. It wasn't some Crappy little local band. Like we really were doing well. We were selling out uh, every every show that we were playing towards the end there, and 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 we were getting the regional respect and the noticing from the labels, and uh, and we even got radio play. Not in long, not in a local radio show. You know, we were getting regular rotation. Um, from a local band that's just,
0: you know, kind of not normal. So the decision to part ways at the juncture that you did had to have been an especially difficult thing for all involved. Was it the split that led to Chester's new opportunity in zero that eventually became Linkin Park? Or how did the timing and circumstance of that work out?
1: It was. So we had we had signed a demo deal from Warner Brothers, um, and we were doing a tune-up show the weekend before. So we were playing a show. Uh, the following weekend, we were going to go ahead and record four tracks for Warner Brothers, and hopefully get a big deal out of it. So, uh, at the show, the bass player Mace didn't show up for sound check or to load the gear. And it was kind of one straw too many. And we literally um, had a big fight after the show. And we basically just told each other to f off and walked away. Mm. And sorry for cussing. But, okay. uh, you know, we basically told each other off and, and we just stopped talking. And then our attorney, Scott Harrington out of LA, he was a really good guy. And he knew that Chester had a ton of talent. And he said, look, I have this band out in L.A. with my partners that were that were kind of representing. Why don't you record a demo and come out here? And then he did. And literally within a couple of months of Great A's breaking up in 98, uh, Chester uh, flew out in, uh, or drove out and uh, auditioned for those guys and joined. Them, and then they just kind of plugged in the machine again. And, of course, there's a lot of other variables and different players involved. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Chester was at the at, – ready to be signed when, when he did.
0: I You know, I'm. thank you for filling in those blanks for me. Back in 99, I remember distinctly bringing Chester and Lincoln Park into the studio, and I remember asking Chester something sort of offhand at the time, like, you know, how are things going out on, on the road or something? He kind of gave me an answer like, well, I'm still kind of getting to know these guys. It was really, at the time, very odd, but it kind of explains things now, the way you uh, just laid that out for me.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think those guys um, were playing together for a couple years before that point, and and they, you know, they had had some success and some labels looking at it. But I think the finishing touch for their superstardom was, was adding that Chester piece and more power to them. I was super proud of them when it happened. You know, even though we weren't talking at the time, I kept, you know, who oh, are you upset that Chester's, um, you know, signing with this band? Of course not. Mm-hmm. I, I feel partially responsible for that. I feel like. You know, I'm part of that story with him, and I'm proud of him, and I wanted him to reach to, to the sky, and he did.
0: You rekindled that friendship a few years later, which then led to a business partnership, as you've alluded to, and that was what led to the conversation about revisiting Gray Days. What was it, about four or five years ago?
1: So 2016 was when we re- revisited Gray Days for the final time, but we actually played with the idea, basically from the time of rekindling our friendship all the way up until... Uh, the time of his passing. Oh. So we finalized it in 2016. He had just uh, finished the One More Light album, and I believe they were going out on tour. And we were having one of our normal phone calls, um, and I'm not sure if it was myself or him that brought up doing another club tattoo party because we hadn't done one in a couple years. And so We started talking about it, and he, and he just made the offhand comment, you know, I've been thinking about that. And the next time we do that party, I think we should have Great A's play the party. And, and then my ears just perked up like, that is an interesting way to do it. <laughs> Um, it doesn't come out of nowhere. It's like, okay, we've laid the groundwork, and we used to throw these really big parties for our business club tattoo where we would have three to 5,000 people show up, and he and I would get up and play with kind of an all-star band every every time we did it. And like I said, we hadn't done one in a few years, so to, to do another one and put Great A's on stage it made a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, he said to me, he says, I just miss having a rock band of my own, and I miss playing with you. I just I just miss being around you. We, had, we hadn't... Uh, had a lot of hangout time that past year, and obviously he was going through some emotional distress. Mm. And I think it just appealed to him to be back with his buddies.
0: Chester was taken from us late July of 2017, just days before you had planned to start rehearsing and relaunch this band the desire to finish what you had started to follow through on the plans and to do this album, talk about the emotion of taking on that work after what had happened. And in the end, as challenging as I'm sure that work was at times, I imagine it was a pretty cathartic thing to see it to its end.
1: It really was. And that's a, that's a great um, question. It's, it's, you know, after he passed, of course, you know, we just hit the brakes on everything. It just stopped. We just, we had been working on re-recording the music and restructuring the music while he was alive. A lot of people don't realize that. This isn't something we just decided to pull out of a closet after he passed. We were actively working on this, and we, of course, had announced the reunion show. And we started getting offers from around the world to, to play more shows. So we started taking it more and more seriously and started working on tracks, and, and we, we kind of just put together this plan where we would revisit these old tracks and, and make them more modern-sounding and then ret- retract the vocals with Chester and uh, eventually that year, the plan was to release, release an album uh, towards the end of 2017. And that way, when we played live shows, we could get um, some, some legs under the band. Mm. And uh, that was the plan. And then when he passed away, it, just, it all stopped. And basically, you know, after his funeral, it just ate at me every single day. I would wake up and just feel this intense pressure to get this thing finished. You know, finish this record, finish this record, finish our music. And finally, I woke up one day and told my wife. I said, "Look, I got to finish this record. I want to I want to get the guys um, together and I want to talk to them. And you know, I'm very successful um, with our business, so I was just going to fund everything myself. And we were just going to finish. The, the initial intent was just to finish the music and just put it out on iTunes and you know, print a couple hundred CDs or whatever and call it done. As we started working through it, people started taking notice. Once they would hear a little bit, you know, we started working with a friend named Renee Mata out at NRG in LA. He was very close with Chester, and he and I became close after Chester's passing. Um, you know, as we were developing this music and kind of reproducing everything, people started taking notice and and they're like, "This is really good. How do I get involved?" And then we started getting phone calls from labels, and you know what? actually, okay, we will put this out on a label and then once we did that, we started working with tom wally and and uh, he understood the project right away, because he, he, he handled the entire Tupac situation. Oh, wow. So he understood trying to release music after an artist had passed. He said, this is a very delicate thing. We have to make sure that this is, this is done for the right intentions, and you guys are doing it for the right intentions, but we have to make sure people see that. And uh, this, we can't be exploitive. And, you know, to, truth be told, we had, we had bigger record labels come at us with big money that we turned down because they just kept talking about money, and that was a turnoff to me. I don't care about how much money this is going to make. I want to make this music right. And I want the true core fans of Chester's to appreciate the music.
0: You brought on a number of artists that Chester himself admired to help contribute. Head & Monkey from Corn, Paige Hamilton from Helmet, Chris Trainer from Bush, to name a few. Allowing others to pay tribute to Chester in their own way adds some new elements to these songs, I imagine, too.
1: It does. So we had lost our original guitar player, Bobby Benish, to Brain Cancer in 2004. So it wasn't like we needed to sit around and go, this has to remain hardcore Great days, members. It was like, well, we kind of lost that. Chester's past and Bobby's past. So now it was more about paying tribute and getting the people that Chester was really close with to be able to play on, on a record that I'd never gotten to play with him before. And I know Paige had played on another Linkin Park song, but Paige was close with Chester. Marcos Curiel from P.O.D., he was close with Chester. Head & Monkey really admired Chester, but even more importantly to me, Chester admired the hell out of those guys, and he really appreciated the way they treated him in the early days, and kind of took him under their wing, and just were very kind and genuine and generous to him. Uh, so those were the people, you know. We we had a singer named L. P. sing a duet with Chester that, you know, Chester had not met but I remember driving in the car to go to lunch with him one day when he was freaking out over this girl named LP, (laughs) and he was playing and just describing, he's just very animated with his hands, jumping all over the car as he's explaining how great this girl's vocals are. So we reached out to her, I was like, this is a natural fit, Chester would have loved to have played with this girl. So that's really how everything came to be.
0: Before I let you go, Sean, and again, I can't thank you enough for the time today. It's very cool. Thank you. You sought the blessing of Chester's family before moving forward on this, I'm guessing. Yes. Having his son Jamie contribute to this album is such a beautiful touch. On what track or tracks can we hear him? So we
1: had him sing on Soul Song, and he sings backing vocals and does a fantastic job. The idea behind that was... It just hit me one day when we were in the studio. I said, you know what? There's a way we can give back to Chester. We can, get, we can ask his kids if they want to come and sing with their dad, something he never got to do while he was alive. Man. And that's a way that we were able to give something back to him. And it was very special, very touching.
0: It's just an incredible story. Uh, the album comes out April 10th. Amends uh, is kind of a cool title, uh, considering all you've been through and, and your, your relationship with Chester all these years.
1: Yeah, It actually comes from a, a lyric of a song Chester and I wrote together called More Sky Guy that's on the record. And the chorus, you know, a lot of these songs took on an entirely deeper and different meaning after Chester passed, of course. Uh, but this specific song, I think it's almost like an apology from beyond. Mm. And we wrote it back in 1993 together. And the chorus says, if I had a second chance, I'd make amends. <sighs> and that was just so powerful. When we were talking about album titles, guitar player Kristen said, hey, how about making amends? And I said, that is awesome. Let's use that. And then we, then we eventually whittled down just to the one word. Just, she has universality to it. and can take on double meanings for whoever the listener is, and and I think it's just a very special title.
0: We can't wait to get our hands and our ears on this, Sean. Thank you again so much, man. It was really a pleasure talking to you
1: today. My pleasure. You have an awesome day, and thanks for your time.